I love the Lord. Amen. Is the Lord good? You know, for the last several weeks, we have been in a series called Then and Now. And we have been uh, looking at some of the historical milestones of our church and kind of how they have informed who we are today and who we are going to be going forward. And I'll tell you, it's been a very powerful uh, experience because in that we have learned that our church was kind of on the cutting edge of accepting alcoholics uh, in the community and bringing them in. And, you know, it, it, it ticked people off and made them leave, but always more would come. And now uh, we, we have to show for that uh, what God has done is, is one of the largest 12-step uh, ministries uh, in, the w- in the world, in the North America continent. It is the biggest program right across the street. Uh, we've talked about uh, the first African-American woman to ever join a United Methodist congregation before the actual civil rights movement really swole and, and, and came to a head. We've talked about how our predecessors have come before us and baptized the children, the, the, the twins of gay parents, and, and just all of these milestone moments, the kind of, uh, of, uh, of, of controversy that were followed by a little bit of exodus and a whole lot of growth, right? And it's been a really interesting um, uh, thing to kind of discover those things from our past and see how they have informed Lover's Lane and how they have kind of made us who we are as a, congrega- as a congregation today. And so I want you to hear, if you're visiting today, this church has a very rich history of loving all people. And we all have these shirts. You'll see them. They're blue. They say loving all, and it's kind of a heart. If you turn it this way. And it's because that's our mission statement here. We say that we love all people. And so now we're kind of at the end of our series today, and we're wrapping it up. And we're going to talk about today, how are we going to stand on the shoulders of those people who have come before us? The past three weeks, our, our, our uh, sermon series shifted, and we started looking at this, this loving all thing that we're that we're talking about doing here and and kind of this being what we're all about going forward and that we're all in trying to do this love all people into a relationship with jesus christ but as you know all is hard (laughs) but it's a powerful witness in the world today wouldn't you agree in our climate that it's kind of refreshing to hear hey there's a group of people out in the world that want to do this i didn't hear you (laughs) three people We need to hear more of this, that there are people in the world who want to do this. And today we're going to wrap it up and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. You know, the wee little man we sang about maybe if you were ever in church in a a Sunday school class when you're little. Zacchaeus, a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Dee Dee, I know I didn't do that justice. Sorry about that. But I'm going to ask you a question to kind of frame our discussion from Zacchaeus today. And that question is simply this. Are you up a tree, in the way, or at the table? (laughs) That's going to be the question that we're going to think about. And I want you to kind of consider what your answer to this question might be as we go through this story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. So if you have a Bible app on your phone, I invite you to open it. Otherwise, we're going to have this on the screen for you. I'll be reading out of the NIV translation. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Are you up a tree in the way or at the table? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now let's just stop there for a second because I, I want to kind of uh, 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 lift up the fact that I think Zacchaeus at this point in just these first opening verses already has like three strikes against him, right? The first one is that he is a chief tax collector. <laughs> now what that means is that Zacchaeus is a Jewish person probably collecting taxes on, on behalf of the oppressive Roman government. So, so he is going to be kind of translated as kind of complicit with the Roman government's oppression, right? That never happens, right, in our world. <laughs> the other thing, uh, strike two, is that he's a wee little man. Now, we don't know if, if Zacchaeus was actually short. It might be that. It could also be his kind of moral stature as, as kind of interpreted by the crowd around him. Little. Can't see. His shortness. Maybe sinfulness. I don't know. And then the third strike is he's really super rich. <laughs> so he's wealthy. And what does uh, Luke say? Luke's not very kind of the wealthy leading up to this. In the Magnificat, you know, Mary, uh, uh, in, in her uh, discussion, talks about the reversal of the fortunes for the poor and the rich. And, and it only goes on. Uh, Luke describes the words of our saviors talking about how you know it would be harder for a camel to go and pass through the eye of a needle <laughs> than it would be for a rich person to enter heaven right so so three strikes you're out right Zacchaeus no not quite let's read on verse five when Jesus reached the spot he looked at him and said I love this Zacchaeus come down immediately <laughs> really anticlimactic. Yeah, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Now, the word must in this, I want, you, I want to kind of uh, talk about what the, actual, um, what the actual Greek is saying there. It's day, D-E-I, used consistently to indicate like a divine must. Like this, this, this is not just a regular must. This is uh, the divine God must do this. I'm going to call this the OMG crowd. <laughs> OMG. He's gone to receive the hospitality of sinners. But here's what Zacchaeus does. Zacchaeus stands up and says, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, this is a concise text, so let me be concise with you. I want you to notice here how Zacchaeus' story is now concerned with the other. <laughs> Almost just like that. Lickety-split, right? And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, 
For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, thank you for Zacchaeus and for this story, God. Help us to hear it with fresh ears. Help us, God, seek our hearts. Search us, God. Help us to come up with a word from you, Lord. Help us to hear from you. We've been practicing listening, God. Help us to tune ourselves to your heart and to hear something from you, God. Have us to know what it is you have for us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, <laughs> arguably, no other story does a better job at getting at the why of our mission statement of Lover's Lane about loving all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are two key verses that I kind of want to lift up in, 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 in that argument, right? Number one is verse 10. I want you to look at what it says about why Jesus is there to begin with. I think it's important. We want to keep our eye on Jesus, right, if we're going to love people into a relationship with him. For the Son of Man, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Wow, simply said, right? Very easy to understand. It's plain and simple. It's straightforward. It doesn't get any more concise than this. Sent by God, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus makes it clear he's at the table. Makes it clear he's at the table. Our response to that should be love God fully. <laughs> right? We talked about this in this series. The, one of the parts of the great commandment to love God. And then once we've arrived at this loving God fully thing, we, like Zeus, will then concern ourselves with others. Let's read verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times. Oh my gosh, you guys, it is the great commandment all over again. <laughs> love God fully, then love others. And the two are intertwined, and they cannot be separated, because if you don't do one, this is exactly what Jesus has been trying to tell the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. I mean, he's been trying to tell everybody this. You can't separate these two things. You have to have them both. So in this moment, Zacchaeus resp responds, and it's clear where Zacchaeus is going to be. At the table. At the table. But today now, we have a decision to make, right? We need to make a decision about this. Will we embrace that great commandment fully, right? Both individually and corporately. Will we do that? Will we respond by loving God fully and loving others fully? Will we do that? Are you up a tree? Are you in the way? Or are you at the table? Now let's, let's take a look at Zeke, Zacchaeus first. Zacchaeus. Remember those three strikes. He was, he was a tax collector, he was short, and he was wealthy. You know, I can relate to Zacchaeus here. I've been there. You ever been Zacchaeus lost? <laughs> you ever been Zacchaeus found? Let me tell you what that was like for me. I don't want to put up some kind of facade and phony mask with you today, so I'm going to be real transparent with you about how I've been Zacchaeus and up a tree. 
by the fact that once upon a time in my life, I equated my personal worth out of my busy schedule and out of my paycheck. I thought that that's what made me important and made me who I needed to be. I thought I was important because of what I was doing, right? And that was constantly reinforced with me by people that I worked with, by clients that I uh, served, by the media (laughs) and the news that I heard. Constantly, constantly this drone of, oh my gosh, you're so self-made, you're so self-made. Here's, here's five more ways that you can tips that you can be better self-made, right? Self-made, self-made, self-made. I'd come to a point where everything that I owned, my, my status, everything that, everything that I was, right? My money, my career, my family. I mean, have you, have you ever lived this story out? Happiness was something uh, to do with uh, some achievement that hinged on me. So why on God's green earth would I need a savior? Why do you need a savior, right? Where you sit. But it was that materialism and it was that faulty decision making and that false understanding and definition of success and that inflated view of myself that exposed my own need for an encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, I'd received lots of applause. Oh, way to go, way to go, man. You're so great, you're so great. But I still always felt empty in that. And I always still wanted something more, you know. I wanted, I wanted something else. There just was something in me, a hole there. No matter how much the applause, no matter how many cartwheels people would turn over, it didn't matter. I still felt empty. And all I did was distract myself with more and more and more and more stuff. House, car, whatever, entertainment, gambling. What, what else can I get? What else can I consume? What else can I do? What, can I, what else can I, I kind of take in? And then I would deny that I was living that lie, right? I denied it. It was all about face, right? I wanted to say face. That was the pressure I put myself under. But what if, let me just ask you this question because it's the question that I begin to ask myself. What if I stop saving face? with everybody? What if I actually admit some things, like Zacchaeus does in this story, right? God, Lord, Lord, let me get half of what I have back to others, and if I've wronged anybody, let me make amends for that. You want to know when things started changing for me is when I got real and stopped saving face, and started looking into the eyes of Jesus Christ. Because then uh, my view shifted. When I looked into the eyes of Jesus Christ, I saw there a man on a cross, agonizing. Not saving face, but being mocked. Not saving face, not, not building himself up and talking about how great him, he is. But a guy who'd been beaten and scourged. And something started happening. I became much more vulnerable in, in knowing that Jesus Christ suffered. 
So I'm going to ask you, what if we risk exposing ourselves a little bit and make ourselves just a little bit more vulnerable? And we start admitting that we need Jesus to redeem us in our pain and in our own suffering. I used to live in the shame of of growing up and talking about uh, living with an alcoholic parent who was quite abusive. Who, who could have killed my brothers and sisters many times over. I used to live in the shame of talking about that. I, I didn't want to talk about my mom's boyfriends. I didn't want to talk about what it felt like to live in that house. But you know what? I no longer have shame for that. Not because of who I am, but because of who God is. And because of God's faithfulness in my relationship with God. I hated growing up talking about my parents' divorce and and the implications of that on our family. I wanted to conceal that conversation. I wanted to, uh, you know, kind of just distract myself with stuff and achievement and success. Has anybody ever, like, lived that out before? Like, I don't want to talk about all that stuff, right? I want to talk about all this good stuff that I, 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 I do. But as an adult man, I returned to the church and some good things started happening. I came home. I looked Jesus in the eye. And I was angry. And I was resentful. (laughs) I looked Jesus in the eye and I, I saw my rebelliousness for what it was. And it melted away. And you know why? Because Jesus saw me differently. Yeah. There in in Christ's own woundedness, (laughs) in Christ's own pain, in Christ's own humiliation and nakedness, there in, in Christ's own weakness, I saw my shame and it freed me. It freed me. All that stuff that I had suffered, all that stuff that had been inflicted upon me. And then no matter what I encountered, nothing, no matter what, there was an answer. An answer with Christ. God continued to have an answer for my neediness. God continued to have an answer for my anger. God continued to have an answer for my rebellion and an answer for my sadness and my brokenness. And in my doubt, God had a continual answer. And it was Jesus Christ. And here's what Jesus Christ kept saying. Come down immediately. (laughs) Come down immediately. Let's go home. Let's eat. Are you hungry? The important thing to remember here, though, is that it doesn't doesn't stop there because Zacchaeus' story turns very quickly to the other. To the other. It makes a, a very quick shift. Zacchaeus is ready to give to others. Yeah? Repent. Yes. Amend. Yes. But give to others. And I want to talk to you about that moment. 
You know, the smallness of Zacchaeus, it represents my sinfulness. Whether uh, he was physically short or whether that's some kind of metaphor, it doesn't matter. It represents that. It's, it's like Luke saying, but a rich man <laughs> is going to have a hard time. It's going to be like a camel going through the eye of a needle. So what I realized in this story is two things need to happen. A smaller camel and a bigger needle. <laughs> Amen? Can we use that? A little bit less of me, God, a little bit more you, right? If I'm going to get there, right? If I'm going to get home with you. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're already submitted to Christ, and, and you're doing very well in your journey, and I'm, gosh, I'm so glad for you, and I cheer you on, and that's awesome. But I want to ask you this question. Are you the crowd <laughs> then? Are you the crowd has the church ever been guilty of cheating the marginalized out of their salvation? Oh, that's a hard one. That's, that's a hard question. <laughs> has that ever happened? And if you listen to the stories that we've been through, oh, yeah, I would have to say an honest answer would be yes. And we see how it plays out in the story of Zacchaeus. Where the church is given a voice. What do they do? All the people saw that Jesus did and began to mutter. Remember the OMG? OMG. He's gone to sit with sinners. OMG. In the 40s and 50s here, it was OMG. OMG, guys. Alcoholics. Oh right? <laughs> Am I right? And then in the 60s, OMG, black women, OMG. In the 90s, OMG, children of gay parents in the baptismal waters, OMG. And now today, OMG, guy, the gay parents themselves <laughs> in the baptismal waters. <laughs> there might even be transvestites, we don't know. <laughs> The church, OMG, according to all these t-shirts, though, <laughs> according to all these t-shirts, Jesus is inviting all to the dinner table, yeah? Mm. So that's what we're going to keep at the forefront of our mind going forward. That's what we're going to keep at the forefront of our mind going forward. Everything that we do from this day forward is going to have that mindset front and center. Because we are going to be an extension of Jesus Christ's ministry here on earth. Helping to seek and to save the lost. That's what we're going to design worship for. Which means that we're going to have to make some sacrifices. One of them is going to be preferences, okay? Worship may not be designed for you, <laughs> but you visitors, it's exactly going to be designed for you. How's that for the hospitality of Jesus' table? If you're visiting this morning, you may clap and say, woohoo, they designed worship for me up in here. And if you are a crosswalkian right now, you better be like, oh yeah. We're going to seek it. Yeah! <laughs> yes, that's the spirit. And we're going to learn together, right? 
which means that we're going to get up in some small groups, not as consumers, not, oh, hey, what's the newest, coolest thing that we can possibly do, but real discipleship that leads to us doing that. For the benefit of others, right? And we're going to engage on the mission field. Not so we can go take a token picture with the poor needy kid or to go and turn our vacation in, or turn it into our vacation, but to actually serve and help and love all. Yes. And we're going to have to get really, really good at the art of invitation. Invitation. Speaking the language, not of our preferences, but the language of the lost. Won't you come? Won't you come? And maybe you're not in the way. Are you at the table then? Are you at the table? At the beginning of the series, I told you a story about our founding pastor, Tom Shipp, and about a very poignant moment in our church's history. And if you weren't there, kind of let me catch you up to speed. It was the story of an oppressive man who kept our founding pastor from taking communion. Grabbed his hand as if he weren't good enough to take communion. But someone got out of the way and extended radical grace to him and said, brother, this is not your table. Let the boy take communion. Okay? Let the boy take communion. And in a similar the way, the crowd here is in the way of our lost world sometimes. In the way of our lost world sometimes. But I would like to echo the past and remind you it is not your table. <laughs> it is the Lord's table. It is Jesus Christ's table. Jesus was sent by God Jesus walked across the cosmos, came into a baby, was raised, and sent down a path to look at Zacchaeus, who he found up in a tree, to say, come down immediately. <laughs> come home. Let's go eat. That's how much God loves Zacchaeus. That's how much God loves each and every person in this room. So I'm going to encourage you in some very practical ways this morning. Some very practical ways. I want you to get involved in one of our small groups. We have a lot coming up. There's an evangelism series. If you want to know how to invite people called Just Walk Across the Room, we're going to be starting that. There's a men's group called Renegade, Renegade Gospel, the Rebel Jesus. It's a, that's a men's study that's starting. There's a women's study called Broken and Blessed. There's a vision study called Dare to Dream. There is an FPU class starting in case you need to know how to manage your resources in a way that you can give sacrificially. And I want to encourage you out of the mindset of consuming through intentional learning with the goal of the other. The other. Living into our mission and our vision. That's what it means to love all. We're starting in a few weeks a new series called Pursued. We're going to talk about our relationship with God in more detail. 
Next week, I want to invite you, and I want you inviting all your friends to a gospel brunch. Listen, I practiced for this service already, and it was so uplifting. We're just going to have a meal. We're going to come to the table and just rejoice at how great God is with some great music and some simple eating. I even heard their grits. I've never tried them. I can't wait. That'll be interesting. I want you to invite your people. We have some little cards you can take and pass out. Next week, let's get out of the way, right? Let's get out of the way and be part of God's seeking and saving by being radical inviters, right? We're going to have a great time, a great time. A final note. I kidded not too long ago about how serious I am about seeking the lost. And I said, I don't care if in Crosswalk we have to play country music in order to reach the lost. So here you go, friends. I'm going to put our worship band where my mouth is. Maybe Rascal Flats is not your cup of tea. But could you pray during that song that someone who is sitting here, that their heart and their life may be changed because we're trying to seek and save the lost in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Love you guys.